0: G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I am your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much. Now, if your mates miss the shows at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either SoundCloud or iTunes, as well as CFRC have their own podcasting now and they will be putting it on there. Podcast list as, as two. So, no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Now, today I would like to introduce you to Leo Ehrlichman, who is doing a Master in Sociology under the supervision of Victoria Sistma, Heather Murray, and David Walker. So, welcome to Grad Chat, Leo. Thank you. Now, before you go into your research um, topic, Could you please explain to everyone what exactly is sociology?
1: Well, so sociology is the understanding of individuals within groups. It's the easiest way to explain it. I particularly focus on the sociology of health, so understanding how individuals operate within uh, and how they make their decisions in health-related fields.
0: Well, that was easy. Sometimes people get it a bit confused. So actually, thank you. That was a a really good explanation. (laughs) That'll help me down the track as well. So your research topic is youth alcohol in Kingston. Really interesting topic. What made you want to look at this in the first place, and how are you looking at it?
1: Yeah, so this is a little bit of a passion project for me. So uh, my first year at Queen's was in 2010, and we obviously, for those who are aware, 2010 was a tumultuous time at Queen's when it came to alcohol. There were quite a few fatalities related to alcohol and substance abuse uh, that were near and dear to me, and that kind of sparked an interest in understanding alcohol. Then when I finished my Queen's career, I ended up working for a fraternity, and I ended up traveling across North America, and particularly, Canada and one of the things we focused on was alcohol safety and awareness about oh, okay. alcohol's risks right and the research interest really peaked to me you know you see in the news all the time where students have fatalities for alcohol but I was giving a talk uh, at Dalhousie to, uh, to a group of students and the day before a student had actually passed away from alcohol they had oh, no. they had passed away it was in 2015 uh, and that kind of got me really upset And uh, I ended up ranting to my friends quite a lot about this and ended up working in real estate development the next year. And every time I would go on one of these rants, one of my friends just went to me and said, if you're gonna keep ranting, either do something about it or stop. So I said I would do something about it and then applied to graduate studies and was fortunately accepted to Queen's where I then kind of championed this cause because, as we'll explain a little bit further, alcohol research is unique. uh, And in Canada, it's really in its infancy.
0: To be honest, that's... I find that quite surprising because alcohol at universities, I mean, even in my day, we all drank way too much than we should. I mean, I don't remember hearing about deaths associated with alcohol or substance in but I'm sure it was there. I think it was covered up. I think now what is nice is that people are actually talking about it and as you're trying to do is do something about it to see see what we, what we can do. So I guess what I would like to ask you then is when you say youth, what age group are you looking at?
1: So when we look at youth, we're looking at people aged 12 to 24. Uh, I know that seems like a large range, but generally in substance abuse research, 12 to 24 is that youth demographic. Right. We are also looking at a post-secondary lens, uh, so we are focusing a little bit on post-secondary students in Kingston. My research is really looking at alcohol the same way we look at the flu. Right. What are the populations involved and how do they associate with the substance? And for us, we are looking at 12 to 24. But if you were to take people under the age of 17, it would be pretty small sample size and it wouldn't be a very large study. I I
0: would hope it was a very small sample Um, size. Which
1: is what we're fortunate for. And then we're looking at post-secondary institutions in Kingston as a general whole. So there are three post-secondary institutions. Kingston is a very heavy quote-unquote student town. So we're looking at what post-secondary students particularly look at and then compare them to their peers, right?
0: Are you looking at them in one group? Are Are you splitting up between the stats for females versus males?
1: So we've subdivided it quite extensively. So we're looking at males and females. We're looking at demographics on where they live and where they're coming from. And then again, the post-secondary institution that they're affiliated with. with, Are they affiliated with an institution? So we have those questions. We really have four kind of categories of people. We have those who are not affiliated to any institution, those affiliated with the Royal Military College of Canada, those affiliated with uh, St. Lawrence College, and those affiliated with Queens. And we worked pretty extensively in our methods section to ensure that it was objective on identifying those individuals. So residences on campus or in notes, right? So a patient recounting to a doctor that they attend a post-secondary institution. To make it that we are looking at this as an As unbiased way as possible because we don't really want to shine a light on one situation. We again want to make sure that the the general public knows that we're looking at it as just this is what alcohol looks like in a post-secondary environment.
0: And are you looking at it from the perspective of what what the hospitals see?
1: So we're really looking at it as a harm reduction and community resource allocation study. Again, alcohol is an interesting subject. We've been studying it since the late 70s, early 80s. And the thing that really is interesting is that binge drinking has remained remarkable consistent so binge drinking is the term for those who are unfamiliar of having five drinks in two hours for males or four drinks in two hours for females and that's considered a high risk endeavor for alcohol intake so those individuals are generally intoxicated acutely so how we're looking at alcohol in the hospitals we're really dividing people into three quote-unquote buckets if you may because not every patient looks the same and there's just three kind of global patterns that we can adjust people in so our first one is obviously those who are acute acutely intoxicated. So that's an individual who may arrive unconscious or who is just extremely intoxicated that requires medical assistance. The second are those who appear for mental health reasons who we haven't excluded. We have a pretty rigorous exclusion criteria. So not patients with past medical histories of mental situations or patients who have been assessed by a form, which is where you are held at the hospital for about 24 hours to 72 hours for okay. a psychological evaluation. So we have that mental health presentation bucket, which is, a, again, a very small bucket. And then. And the the third third one is those who are injured or have another situation that has alcohol as the contributing factor to what caused a secondary involvement. So it could be
0: anything like a broken arm because they've fallen down. So
1: or... broken arm when they've fallen down, they've lacerated themselves right. on, even to a really bad hangover, right? Some, right something right. where alcohol was involved to them accessing medical resources right. in the city of Kingston.
0: It must be horrible seeing that. I mean, I, you're probably going to say this a bit later, but already with what you've done is a different certain time of the week that of course there's more people coming in and I would assume you now coming up to the weekend, yeah. I should, but I guess we shouldn't assume. The
1: So, one of the things that we are looking at is temporal trends. Obviously, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are kind of the peaks. And then we do kind of see it in different ways. So, on the Halloweens, the St. Patrick's Days. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of those universal...
0: Let's uh, get out and party days. Yeah,
1: exactly. We, We see different times where we're looking at even to the time that they arrive. So, we have three shift swings that we identified, the general general trend is day evening and night so 7 right. a.m to 3 p.m 3 p.m to 11 p.m and then 11 a.m to 11 p.m sorry to 7 a.m as well right um, to see when patients are coming to see when we're utilizing these resources
0: so what does the current research say and and what are you doing differently in this study
1: so my range it's uniquely canadian so, so you're not
0: looking worldwide just canadian yeah, so
1: we're looking at canadian then we're looking at kingston so alcohol research is dominated by the united states of america they have massive institutes that bore tens of millions of into research for alcohol every single year but the issue is that we face in canada is that particularly the research is focused in america and based in america so even our national health assessment so the the largest survey for post-secondary health in canada is run actually by an american institution oh okay and canadian institutions no not all of them participate actually get their data from them so the way we're looking at our students health right. is run from a lens that's American, which I think is a little bit interesting. And the other thing is, that so because of that, there's no coordinated system of post-secondary health, right? All alcohol research is generally based off self-reporting data. So a survey will go Mm -hmm. out and ask you how many times do you binge drink, again using that term in a 14 or 30 day setting and if you binge drink once in 14 or 30 days you're categorized as high risk. So what we're looking at is what are the impact factors because rarely do those surveys ask did you have a medical intervention? So we we have, uh, there's a Hingson study that claims, sorry uh, what's
0: a Hingson? Hingson
1: is the author so there's six authors on the study but it's titled by him and it's the kind of cornerstone of alcohol harms says you know about 1,200 patients die every single year from alcohol. Well, youth die from alcohol every single post-secondary students from incidents related because, again, very few people die from acute intoxication. It's more likely more vehicle accidents, mm-hmm. falling off a roof, right. etc. And we don't really... They took that information from News reports and other things, and they kind of collected and made an average and estimate and guess. But when you look at alcohol research, they really grain that as that's the 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 Bible. That's how we Uh, that's how we know that alcohol is a problem. They they take this study and we're looking at it retrospectively. So we're looking at after the fact what has alcohol done to the hospital. Right, right. Um, And there were docs out of McMaster that said that this is a problem that we don't have a system to collect health data. So what we're hoping to do is first and foremost make a system that's replicable that's Canadian, that doesn't rely on self-reporting data uh, right. to make evidence-based policy that will benefit local communities. Right. Because, again, the way that we currently look at alcohol, it's a lens and framed from the United States, but we can see, you know, there are various differences within drinking between America and Canada. The most obvious one is 21 versus 19 or 18, depending on where you are in the country.
0: Right, right, right yes. That
1: drinking age. And the second big one is that, again, because of the reliance of self-report data, we don't actually know what the severe risk factors and what's causing someone to enter the hospital. Is it because they're breaking their leg more often than because the lacerations are, you know, they require stitches all the time or is it because of something else? So the current norm, but our which is the current number issue for other academics is that we don't see the questions uh, or studies looking at the resource allocation and utilization for substance abuse issues right right? so how is it really impacting a community of 100,000 people when we talk about in Kingston you see in the news right students are clogging up the emergency rooms and things like that and Mm -hmm. you see it all all over North America really these news reports in small communities how are their resources being extended to deal with alcohol and we're doing this again that replicable system because we're seeing another substance come through so the Toronto star just recently reported cannabis overdoses if you if you will with the term have tripled in Hamilton and right. as legalization comes more substance, That's be... more substance mm-hmm. issues so our study is able to also be used for cannabis in the same kind of understanding in and terms
0: of the, the procedures that you yeah, put so, in place yeah so mm-hmm. we've
1: created something that is replicable we hope right. that it will be replicated that communities and cities can take this and put it into their environment and say alright uh, what does it look like in Guelph? What does it look like right. in London, right. Ontario? What does it look like in Lethbridge, Alberta? These studies are there um, and the reason why we came up with this replicability is the Canadian Center for Substance Abuse and Addiction uh, reached out uh, and I reached out to them as well they did a study just recently in Sherbrooke Quebec where they kind of tried to look at this um, okay we're trying to again make this like rigorous replicable system that it makes
0: sense because then you can have stats real real stats for across the country as yeah. opposed to just by region
1: exactly and it doesn't have to be a local community in Kingston and a graduate student who is kind of whose friends told them to stop ranting about alcohol to yeah. come up with this um, I think it's a little ridiculous that we still rely on the United States to provide our post-secondary health measures.
0: Well, yeah, now that could be totally different populations.
1: Yeah, and again, you know, if it's a cost thing, um, and because we haven't had the you know, the rigorous methodology based here, there are researchers who look at substance abuse across the country, but all the journals are based in the U.S., and we're trying to...
0: Give a Canadian. Yeah. Can I can I ask one thing? So I'm assuming you're working with KGH and Hotel Jew, or mm-hmm. both of them. Do they not have any sort of statistics right now? Because they, they would have to be writing up their reports of when people come in do they only ever put in their report i've got a broken arm they don't say a broken arm potentially because of... So alcohol.
1: Dr. Murray is uh, an emergency physician, uh, and Dr. Walker formerly was an emergency physician, so they do chart what the patient is, and that's how we understood it. So our pool was was broken down in a few terms. So first ran a, a query for anything that would have substance abuse in it, okay. uh, and then kind of broke it down for right. alcohol. So we'd only include someone that had a broken arm, so we had peak patients, so there's a, a database called CHIRP, which is an injury database, it's nationwide, and on the form they can indicate if alcohol is there, so if okay. alcohol was a factor, so a nurse or a physician will make we'll check that check that box check that box so it's i broke my arm and then in the triage notes or in or in the actual notes you'll see you know was drinking alcohol tonight slipped and you know it's like a common foosh, right? F- fell on outstretched yes, arm, Yes, right?
0: Probably more like the wrist that was broken. <laughs> yeah, so they, you know,
1: they they broke they broke something, and we, yes. we found it out that way. Or you know, they came in with substance abuse misuse, and then alcohol is tied into there.
0: So, okay, so then, with what you're trying to do is create a process which is easier to find that that it was out So we,
1: we've identified some codes and then it's about coding. So the code
0: goes into what they do in the emergency or wherever. So
1: then you have to abstract the data. So you have mm-hmm. to look at the charts. Because so that's
0: the thing, right? If you can't get it out...
1: Yeah, we've looked at a, a lot of charts. We had total population before we started of those. There's, there's two databases. We had the CHIRP database and another database called Knackers, which is general emergency. Um, so in our knackers database, we had 2,489 patients to start with. And then it whittled down to just alcohol. So again, because that's the substance abuse misuse, right. was 1,982. So 1, okay. 1,982 so patients a over a five-year period. And then we had the CHIRP database. We had about 1,180 patients originally. And then we found 900. 182 to be eligible so we have two kind of big data pools of 1,982 and then plus 982 so it's just over 2,400 patients
0: but that's a lot of man hours to pull that data yes yeah which is Um, what you're trying to to make it simpler
1: yeah so we we got better as we we worked uh, forward. So Tanner Graham is an undergraduate student here at Queen's that was coding with me through the summer. That and was nice of them. <laughs> yeah, so there, well, he's also he's also <laughs> interested in this and he's doing some research as well. And we, we created that replicable system right. that is easy to understand, right. right? So you have the variables, you know what you're looking for. Scanning through a chart is pretty easy. And luckily we both had over 97% reliability Good. and the hospital actually did a congruency analysis on to make sure that they were verifying so the clinical research team from emergency medicine verified us and our lowest score was 85 percent but we scored 95 92 and 91 on the on the random variables that they tested from us right. to make sure that we were doing it right so and a lot of those were off of judgment variables so what is this student a student or right. was there drugs involved we are very happy that we got a very high score
0: that's great you know what Leah let's just talk-